Uh, we love you. We don't take you for granted. And let's um, let's just win, baby. Let's go. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. It's the voice of Sandra Morgan, president of your Las Vegas Raiders. Just win, baby. That's all you got to do. It's the only thing. It's pretty simple, right? Just win. That's it, Willie. I'm excited for this season. I think just, just, just for the just just because I mean there's last year we spent we put in more effort off the field you know during the first half of the season than we did on it and it was you know it became sort of frustrating mm-hmm. and um, no, I'll never forget it was me Adam Paul Gutierrez we were all down at Twin Peaks for a Monday night uh, show when everything started breaking. And all of our phones went off at the exact same time with the Gruden ordeal, and it was it went, the New York Times story came out, and all of a sudden, I was being booked for satellite radio. Adam was um, knocking out the lead story for the RJ. Paul was having to go hit do live hits for ESP. It was just it was wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to covering the football team this year. You mean the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Washington football team. <laughs> It's a joke. It's a joke. All right. So uh, we've got a lot to we got a lot of stuff to cover here. Uh, coming up, by the way, in 15 minutes or so, uh, Darnay Tripp's going to be with us as we uh, take a look at another UNLV football opponent. That would be San Diego State. Uh, but we get this report. Uh, this came out a little late yesterday. Uh, but this is always the thing when it comes to coaching, Willie. Right? Uh, yeah. When guys leave, like for example, NBA. I tie back to one of my loves, Quinn Snyder. Uh, we knew for the year that Quinn Snyder was going to leave. Also, we know that Quinn Snyder's not done in the NBA. He just wanted to take a year off, didn't want to coach the Utah Jazz, didn't want to leave or deal with Donovan Mitchell, and knew, by the way, I think, that a rebuild was on the way. Well, the Miami Herald's Barry Jackson published a story about Sean Payton, and it does say in the story that Jackson could have interest in returning to coach for the Miami Dolphins, the Los Angeles Chargers, or the Dallas Cowboys. And for those who don't know, it's not the first time that Payton has not been linked to returning. And the Miami Dolphins, there was, of course, the great story that didn't really get covered that much, that Todd Brady was actually on the verge of having a high role in the Miami Dolphins organization on top of playing for them and having Sean Payton as his head coach, it does seem like Sean Payton's on his way back at some point. It does, and I, I would throw the Chargers out because I, I don't know if Brandon Staley is on. I mean, outside of his, I'm going to go for it on fourth down all the time. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the Chargers are still on a on an incline. Right. So I'm not sure that he he's, he's replaceable. I I don't know. I'm 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 a little uh, intrigued by the Cowboys one just because he's always been linked to that, um, and I'm a diehard Cowboy fan since 1976. So, I'd obviously Memphis I'd have Grizzlies, to, Dallas Cowboys. You're all over the place. No, 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 uh-huh. no, no, no. Grizzlies are just. I, we had this talk yesterday <laughs> since the summer league. Lakers, Dodgers, Cowboys. Because I was the I was, oh, I, was, the I, was worst. I was yes I was your the typical worst. trifecta. Well, front when runner. Grow, when you grow up in. Nah, yeah, not the 70s. yeah, yeah. In the seventies, come on, Lakers the were a powerhouse in the seventies. Uh, well, they got before, there. It was before the Showtime. Mm. It was before Showtime. Let's pick a team, get build some character. I picked the I picked the Clippers See, and the Angels. Now, huh? pe- I got now, some character. Okay, now people tell me that they say that, but then what would I look like jumping off of the team that I originally decided to like? There was no pro teams in Vegas. Those are the teams I picked. But um, I, I agree. I think Sean Payton's on his way back. He's not done. Come on, he's going to sit around and watch. No, of course not. Now, uh, there's a couple of uh, things to pull from here. One, I would agree with you. I think a lot of people um, freaked out a little bit too much about Brandon Staley, and I'm not going to rehash everything in terms of 
understanding what probabilities are and going forward and everything like that. Brandon Staley's a really good coach, um, and he is, I think, going to be there for a while. And I think he's building that team the right way, and he's coaching them the right way. Um, Dolphins are an interesting story. Uh, just, I mean, look, what's interesting about all of these teams outside of the Cowboys, uh, the Dolphins just hired their guy. Right, so like having that down as a as a, um, a destination is kind of a jerk move on the side of Peyton. Uh, the Chargers we just mentioned, the Cowboys make sense just the fact that if you look at this, Mike McCarthy. I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, you can make an argument that McCarthy has not really made the Cowboys better. No. He could be on the hot seat if they don't have any success. Yeah. I would make the Cowboys the favorite for Peyton. Would you not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes a little bit more sense. Yes. All right. Now you threw this in. I'll let you present this in terms of you believing that Darren Waller could be more important. More important than Devontae Adams? Why could Darren Waller be the most important receiving target for the Raiders? So you think yes. Waller's better than Devontae Adams? I think that's what you're saying. It's not what I'm saying. It's not, even, like, not even close to what like I, what I did not say. The, the word better is not in there. <laughs> important. Why? Because on the pro level with this team, yes, it's a completely new offense, different scheme, and they're all learning together. But Darren Waller was Derek Carr's leading receiver for two seasons. He was targeted 117 times in 2019. He was targeted 145 times in 2020. Caught over 100 passes in 2020. 1,100 yards in back-to-back seasons, 2019-2020. Last year, he fell off because of injuries. He played in 11 games, not 16. Hunter Renfro was the leading receiver. As good of the rotation of receivers that were in New England, who's the number one guy right now everybody's talking about? Oh, he's not retiring. He's coming back. Brady's guy is who? Gronk. Bill Belichick. Okay. So, McDaniels has been a part of an orchestrating an offense that has been a quarterback tight end sort of dynamic. Doesn't mean that he's going to be targeted the most. It doesn't mean that he's going to be better than all of them. It doesn't even mean that he's going to have more yards. But the dynamic between quarterback and tight end with what McDaniels did in New England could make Waller important because if they turn to Adams and if defenses adapt to the schematics of the big play receiver, who do you turn to? So if you're running things, and I've been saying this, that with three viable targets in Renfro, Waller, Adams – Defenses are going to be really confused as to what, how they're going to wrap. But, again, New England, Brady, Gronk, McDaniels is bringing that mindset here. If he builds with the Carr-Waller mindset to set Adams up for the big plays, Waller is important. Like a running game is important for play action, right? Who's going to do this? A fullback for this, for the block. I believe Waller is important in order to... For Carr and Adams to work makes him the imp- most important receiving target. Uh, to argue against that point, I would say that Josh McDaniels and the New England Patriots in their years have shown an adaptability to the personnel, right? So, for example, when Gronkowski breaks out, it was Aaron Hernandez. They had those two dynamic tight ends. They go to more two tight end stuff, and and, and Rob Gronkowski is also freaking good. That really helps in terms of development, right? So you're saying Darren Waller's not good? Uh, no. Uh, what I'm saying is he's terrible. No. Uh, what, no, but, like, you adjust. I think McDaniels and the Patriots have shown an ability to adjust, right, to their personnel. Their offenses have taken the shape of the personnel that they have. They obviously go back to, like, and this is early, early on, but that offense has shown under Bill Belichick, the Randy Moss years, dynamic, spread out attack, you know, throwing the ball downfield. 
the double tight end thing that I was just talking about. Going more to with Mac Jones, a little bit more of a running game, right? A little bit more conservative with a rookie quarterback when they had Cam Newton out there running the ball down your throat, getting really super tight in terms of the way that they were running their offense. Not to say that you're wrong, but I do wonder how he views this team in terms of what its biggest strength is, wide receivers, whatever it is, and that you see an adjustment to what the personnel is because I do think that McDaniels and the Patriots in years past have shown an ability to adjust to their personnel. Boom. You're wrong. (laughs) I'm not wrong, but listen. So it makes sense, yeah, but... That would mean that he has to, he that it might okay. The got him on the ropes. No, the interpretation that I'm getting is that well, then he it's, he he needs to adapt to what he has rather than saying I'm good enough to make work what I know works with this personnel. Mm-hmm. Okay, see what you're saying. It's not an adaptability issue in terms of the offense that he has at hand. It's what he's capable of doing and what he's going to mold with what he has. I think, okay, I think we'll be in agreement on this. Depending on how you want to divvy up importance, that's fine. I would say that I'm interested to see what they lean on as an offense because I don't think this running game is going to be very good. I'll agree there. Right. So I'll like agree. A- well, I think that it's not going to be as potent yeah. Um, I think that it's going to be somewhat of a fledgling unit that has to. It'll have some some spry moments, but it will struggle more than it will succeed. Yes, I agree there. Yeah. All right, it's list month. <laughs> Love lists, right? In the in the NFL, I think we should just deem July as list month, right? We have nothing to talk about, so we make lists of all sorts of things. Favorite past past combinations over the years and decades. So we're talking about quarterback and wide receivers. Is this what you want to do? Yeah. I, I, now, look, I'm a Colts guy. You know where I'm going to go with this. Go. Peyton Manning and Dallas Clark. I thought you were going to say Burt Jones. Uh, no. Pay, pay, no, Peyton Manning and Dallas Clark were my favorite. Come on. And now I think I'll get you with this because you're an older dude. The taped fingers, no gloves. Dallas Clark was freaking awesome as a tight end. Sure. And I know everybody wants me to go to Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison, eh, as a human, mm. eh, no. So I, I think you want to go Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne. I will go in that direction. I, Dallas Clark was one of my favorite players. I know it ties into something that you were talking about, too. Dallas Clark and Peyton Manning were one of my favorite combinations. What, what year were you born? 1990. <laughs> well... <laughs> I remember when the Hail Mary was dubbed as a Hail Mary because, of course, I'm going to go to Staubach and Pearson. Oh, boy. I mean, I watched a lot of NFL films like yeah. when I was growing up, so I know what you're referring to. I, was, here's how, I wasn't just let – me, let me explain to you how I was not just a diehard Cowboy fan when I fell in love with the NFL. Like, I was a fan of the NFL to, to, to the degree that back in my day, JVT, we had tape recorders – there were about this big, and there were five buttons, play, fast forward. And in the middle of the play button, there were, it was either an orange or red button. You had to push at the same time to record on the cassette. I would turn the volume down, and I'd have to get up and do it because there was no remote control on the TV Nightmare. on Monday night. And I would mute Howard Cosell, Dandy Don, Frank Gibbert, and I would, I would broadcast myself. So you talk about did I ever oh, have a play calling? By play? Of, yes. Okay. Did I ever have a calling of where I wanted to be in the media? Um, I would do that. And furthermore, whenever I would go, when I got older, I would go out of town, or when I was a kid. When I was a kid, and people take me out of town. Like if we were driving. Okay. Hey, are we going to drive by a state? Like I had to go to the stadium parking lot and see. Like not being in a pro town and being a sports fanatic when I was a kid. Like, my mom used to tell me, William, there's more to life than sports. You have to study. Have to do this. Well, guess what, Mom? I'm 53, and my life is sports. 
I wanted to see stadiums. I would go take pictures in front of stadiums. I would, I, when I got older, I would bribe security people. Hey, can I just go in and take a picture of the field? Like, I just, just to, to see a stadium in person was a big deal to me. You know, so I feel like, I've always thought this. I don't know if I've ever given voice to this on the air. I feel like growing up in the era that I did in my formative years and on, like, I think it was better to be a sports fan back, like, in your day. Only because, for lack of better phrasing, we didn't view them as humans, right? Like, they were, they were the cowboys, right? It was these athletes we watched, we'd do incredible things. There wasn't, like, social media to make them more human. Yeah. You, you didn't see them as people, right? And, right? and I think it's better for me in that way because I don't get too wrapped up in it from an emotional standpoint. But I also, like, like if I drove by, like, a stadium, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I would go, I took trips for Visa out to Philly. Yeah. And so every time when I would drive out of Philly to go to Atlantic City, I would drive by with Lincoln Financial or whatever. Right. Or they have that little quartet where they have all their sports stadiums in there. I'm like, cool, all right, stadiums, whatever. I don't have the mysticism around sports that some like people of your age especially yeah. when they were younger have or had well and it's funny you say that like you know in terms of social media not only do we get to see them as humans but we also get to see them in their cantankerous ways as well so if growing up if you're watching them on social media how they act and, and then videos and so forth, like you never saw any, any of that the only people that saw that if you were actual reporter in the press conference and then You'd have to read about it if you got the paper. There was no no no, no internet to read it on, right? So, um, uh, real quick story. When I moved away for a few years and I moved to Eden Prairie, Minnesota, got on the bus, my stepdad got tickets to the Minnesota Vikings-Dallas Cowboys uh, Monday Night Football game. Tony Dorsett ran for the longest run from scrimmage, like 99 and a half yards. It was right on the goal. I didn't get to go. He didn't take me. I was very upset about that. Still resonates, if you can tell. Yeah. Got on the school bus the, uh, the next day, and I remember these two kids talking about it, like in front of me or whatever, you know, just two kids on the school bus, right, going to Minnetonka High School. And they were talking about the game. I was like, yeah, what did you think? You were at the game? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I turned around. I was like, wait a minute. You, like, you were at the game? You didn't watch it? Until, like, like, it was – I was amazed to hear two kids that were going to the same school – that they went to a Monday night football game. Like, yeah. that was a big deal. So that's how big, yeah. You know what still resonates with, me? It resonates with me from my childhood? On my seventh birthday, my mom scheduled me to get shots at the doctor, but also took me to see the first Pokemon movie, and she made me leave before the climax because I had to make it to my doctor's appointment. Oh. Brutal. Absolutely. Ari's shaking his head, too. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Ash Ketchum. hit the... Good reference. <laughs> you got the name. That's right. All right. Hey, before we get out of here, anybody who likes music, I'm a big fan. Uh, Rise Against has a good show coming up Friday, July 15th. Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood. Tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. But, hey, don't go there. All you got to do, call ESPN 1100, 364-1100, 702-364-1100. We're taking callers 6 and 7. So you got two shots at this. Tickets for Rise Against. Also, playing with senses fail it 17 year old john would be all over this concert man great concert great event 364-1100-364-1100 color six and seven join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas rebel defense with an opportunity now shotgun johnson knee high snap three-step prop looking he's hit he's fouled by Jacoby Winman creamed him at the 34-yard line, and it's fourth down. 
hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company. Shout out to Mario, by the way, who came by and snagged some tickets. We're at Silver 7s. You want to come by and grab something? All I got to do is come say hi. So Mario did. He was driving by, wanted to swing in. And guess what? Got tickets. That's all you got to do. So come by Silver 7s. That's the spot. You hear the call there from Russ Langer from the Rebels 28-20 loss to San Diego State from last game. year. What a game. Yeah. That, well, that was one. Uh, they were a 10-point underdog, and it was around that time where they were starting to show a little bit of fight, but not many people expected much. You can tell from the point spread. Uh, at home catching 10. Yeah. They covered that number, and big, it was a competitive stretch for them. Big third quarter. Yep. And forced the issue, and San Diego State pulled ahead. But, uh, I mean, they, it, was a, it was a great game. Well, Darnay Tripp is with us, and San Diego State is coming into an intriguing year. And Darnay's the perfect guy to talk about a sports anger, NBC San Diego. Uh, Darnay, we appreciate the time. Uh, I think this is a really interesting year for San Diego State. It's obviously a really good program, but coming off a program record 12 wins a year ago, uh, we're talking about opening Snapdragon Stadium over on September 3rd, a quarterback transfer that's intriguing many. Uh, coming into this year, just big picture-wise, I know it's always excitement for a good football program, but this seems a little different. It's got to be pretty exciting coming into this year for the Aztecs. Yeah, no question about it. It sets up for them nicely, like you said, coming off a record season. And then, obviously, the opening of the stadium, which has been a long time coming. I don't yeah. know how familiar you guys are with this sort of thing in in San Diego, but whenever it comes time to, to talk about putting the stadium together, it, it gets a little dicey in these parts. It's hard to get everybody kind of on board, and so the fact that they made it happen and and got shovels in the ground just about two years ago, and, and now here they are, is pretty incredible, and, and it's in a central part of town that we drive by all the time. And so just seeing the process is kind of cool, and it's definitely got people excited, especially playing you know two hours up the road in Carson the last couple seasons. To have them coming back after that season. You mentioned an intriguing transfer quarterback. The thing that's funny is he's probably the second most intriguing quarterback on the roster. Mm -hmm. The other guy being Will Haskell, who's this uber-talented kid who redshirted last year, got a little bit of action that people are really excited about. But it sounds like he's trailing Braxton Burmeister, the Virginia Tech transfer, going into the fall. So it's going to be an interesting battle, uh, no doubt, once camp rolls around. So, Darnay, from Oregon to Virginia Tech, how excited is Brady Hoke to have Braxton Burmeister in? I think he is excited. I think, you know, Brady loves just a steady, experienced quarterback, a guy with a good head on his shoulders, a guy that will be reliable. And I think, you know, just the experience that he's had at, at different levels certainly will help. Now, coming from the ACC and – um, I, I think they, they appreciated the consistency that he showed throughout fall camp, and that was kind of why he got the edge on, on Will Haskell. Uh, but he's a guy that also, you know, he's got some tools. He can move a little bit. And, you know, Will Haskell is a guy that you talk about just raw ability. It's, it's off the charts. Braxton's not quite on that level, but he's a guy that will be able to hurt you in, in a couple different ways. And, Look, it's been a bit of a struggle at that quarterback position the last couple of years, and offensively as a whole, they haven't gotten a whole lot done. And so there is some excitement with those two guys, a good set of skill position players, that hopefully they can kind of turn the corner. And you guys know what SDSU does year in, year out from a defensive standpoint. You match that up with a bit more of an explosive offense, and suddenly you've got a far more dangerous team. 
So you you alluded to something that I wanted to hit on there, and that is like it's the quarterback position. The history there, it's not been dynamic. Uh, over the last seven years, this team has averaged over 200 yards passing uh, just once, right? And that was three years ago. But how much does it change? Like, let's say Burmeister comes in and is the dynamic quarterback they expect him to be. They're not changing their offense much, as you mentioned. But how much does that help their offense? And what little changes do you expect if you get a quality uh, quarterback there? Well, it's interesting because they've at least given lip service to wanting to kind of modernize their approach offensively and be a bit more balanced. And, and some of that depends game to game. I mean, you know, they're good enough. They get up on opponent by a couple few touchdowns in the first half. They're obviously not going to be throwing the ball a ton in the second half. Um, but it would be nice to just have that threat. And they were in so many close games where, you know, and, and to their credit, they came out on the right side. Um, on in most instances, but just to have that ability to be a quick strike offense, to be a bit more explosive, get chunk plays, I think will be good. And I think there's a lot of hope. We've 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 heard it in fall camps before. We heard it again this spring. Just the potential of this offense to kind of take some strides from that standpoint. Uh, having now been around it for a few years, I'm going to have to see it. And so I'm hoping this is a year with. Again, an experienced quarterback that's got some talent and then a, a, a really exciting young guy as well, some skill guys. Hopefully this is the year where they do kind of start to modernize the approach a little bit more and not look quite as traditional as we've seen in the past while still maintaining that ability to run the ball effectively, which has obviously been their calling card. Right. Well, and one of the things that I would imagine that he improves on is because he's effective with his legs, the Aztecs, they convert 32% of their third-down tries last season, and that's something that they definitely need to improve upon is moving the chains. His running ability, being a dual threat, has to help. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, Brady Hoke mentioned that all the time with Lucas Johnson last year, and and I I don't know if it was a lack of faith in Lucas throwing the football, but he was always talking about, trust your legs, use your legs, you know, take advantage of of that tool when, when need be, and so certainly there's in those down and distance situations, long yardage situations, they've needed some help. And um, again, like you alluded to, it's nice to have some options. You know, if if you're struggling to throw the football, and and this team definitely will, and and it'll be interesting to see how much they start to use that. Um, you know, intentionally as far as like drawing up plays. You know, where where they take advantage of Burmeister or Haskell's ability to run the football. Lucas Johnson was a little bit hobbled um, last year, Jordan Brookshire as well, so you wonder if that, that took away from that intent a little bit, but they should have some options this year that they haven't had in the past. Yeah, and so overall, when you look at this offense as a whole, we can talk about expectations, uh, but everything from wide receiver, running back, and offensive line, it does seem that they have lost quite a, a bit of production from last year. So what do you expect as we head into 2022 with uh, potentially a new piece of quarterback and some skill positions and offensive linemen being replaced? Yeah, offensive line, you know, they lost some key pieces for sure. So I think that's probably the biggest question. They lost Daniel Bellinger, who is now, you know, recently signed with the New York Giants, got drafted by them, and so NFL-level talent there. Didn't put up huge numbers, but obviously a presence um, within the offense. But, you know, you talk about skill guys. I mean, Jesse Matthews is back, who tore it up, had a slow start, put up huge numbers down the stretch. Uh, Tyrell Shavers, a nice receiver as well. Uh, Breon Penny, younger brother of Rashad Penny, and a receiver who had a really good spring game for them as well and, and turning some heads, and I think there's some excitement about him just with his talent and obviously the pedigree as well. And they they lose um, 
Greg Bell, but they bring in Keenan Christen, who's uh, a transfer from USC, a local guy, got a ton of speed, and they've got some experienced running backs coming back as well. Jordan Bird, good returner. So uh, they'll have some pieces to work with for sure. There's going to be some replacement up front, but I don't think it's a situation where Burmeister has to look around and have a lack of options. They're going to have some guys to get the ball to that can make things happen. So, by some accounts, uh, in, in, you know, returning starters is always really weird in terms of how you want to grade them. But we'll say we'll go with seven returning starters defensively for San Diego State, uh, or defensively. I think I said offensively. Regardless, are there really any questions about what this defense is going to be coming into this year? No, I think you kind of know what to expect from that standpoint. You talk about the defensive end. Um, you know, Cameron Thomas is a huge loss. I mean, he was incredible as an edge rusher, and so I don't know if they have anybody quite as dynamic. But you bring back. Sean Banks, Jonas Havai, um, Kate McDonald, a, a really good, experienced linebacker. His brother transferred from Washington. Uh, Jonas Havai's brother transferred in as well. They've yeah. got a bunch of um, FBS-level transfers, I think five or six of them um, across the board on, on either side of, of the football. Um, secondary, they got some guys coming back. And, and, again, this is kind of what SDSU is built on, right? They – they have a tendency to reload and not rebuild. And you look at all three levels, you can pinpoint guys that are coming back that have been impactful. So I don't expect them to take a huge step back. I think if you pinpoint one area where they do have a void, it's just missing the guy like Cameron Thomas. Uh, those guys don't necessarily grow on trees, but the aspects have been pretty good about kind of recycling through town one year to the next. So I think they'll be, all, be fine in terms of doing that. Yeah, you mentioned Jonah's brother, Justice Hawaii. He comes over from Hawaii. 70 tackles, three sacks, nine tackles for loss over the last two seasons. I think he's going to be a key addition and, and, and sort of help them avoid maybe a lapse um, you know, with, with turn, a roster turnover because his comfortability in the conference, his familiarity with his brother, and then just sort of being able to blend right in, I think he, he could be somewhat of the anchor of that defense. No question. And, yeah, you, you don't expect them to lose – at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack defensively just with the bodies uh, that they have back in the box, whether it's the, the defensive line and linebacker. Uh, I know Brady was very excited about justice when you know signing day rolled around and, and we learned that he was headed this way. So uh, a lot to be excited about. And, again, that's kind of the staple. It's the bread and butter of SDSU, and um, I, I think they should be just fine from that standpoint. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Win total for San Diego State set at 7.5. It's a favor to the over at minus 120. Uh, what do we expect from the Aztecs from a win total standpoint in a big picture? That's a good question. I, I hadn't even really gotten that far yet. I think when you, when you tell me the number, because I hadn't even seen that yet, um, that seems like an easy over just based on what they did last year. And I think you've got a roster that, while there is some um, – some major losses. We didn't even talk about the punt god, you know, yep. uh, replacing Matt Ariza, which, uh, again, that, that guy doesn't grow on trees. Um, but, I, you know, they, they should be fine from that standpoint. If, if that's your biggest loss as a special teams guy, as nice as it is to have somebody that can flip the field. Um, but regardless, uh, they, they seem pretty well suited to follow up on the success of last season. And so I think I wouldn't be shocked to see them in that same neighborhood as they were last year playing for a Mountain West championship and going to a bowl game with the chance to win uh, 11, 12, maybe more games. Darnay Tripp, NBC San Diego. Darnay, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Got it. Yeah, San Diego State's in, uh, really interesting with the stadium, everything that's happening, quarterback transfers. Uh, they are, as usual, 
a very intriguing football program to watch as we head into the 2022 season. All right, we'll come back. Fat Pack on the other side. It sounds like Willie this time has a question for me. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. And listen, if you can't say anything real nice, it's better not to talk at all. That's my advice. We're parting. You go your way. I'll go mine. It is Cofield and Company, and it is our favorite segment, of course. Willie Ramirez and JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel here at Silver Sevens for the Fat Pack. And uh, we always love talking about food. How do you not love talking about food? As JVT uh, said just a minute ago, I have a question, so I do. And it's National Mac and Cheese Day. Love Mac and Cheese. Love Mac and Cheese. But unfortunately for JVT, he's not allowed to have it because I now have him on a plan, strict plan. JVT, have you decided or do you know why you should be choosing between brown and white rice? And for those that maybe weren't listening yesterday, JVT is getting ready to do some cutting. That's right. I sent him over a plan from the Perfect Gym who tends to sponsor the poll of the day. We didn't do one today. The question of the day. The Perfect Gym here in town. But brown or white rice, have you decided, JVT? One, why can't that be the question of the day? Well, well, because it's for you. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about it. All right, so if you're asking me which one I should do, brown rice. Okay. So here's why you should not do brown rice after your workout. I'll think. Well, everybody everybody jumps on the brown rice. Well, you've specified after your workout, though. Yep, I did. Okay. Brown right. rice, chicken, and broccoli. Everybody loves to go do that. Hell no. Brown rice is a slow-digesting carb. Now, you are trying to get calories in after a workout to help with the muscle recovery. You want a high amount of protein. You want a cup of white rice. And you want to get your fiber intake out from some like some broccoli, some Brussels sprouts, um, maybe some, some string beans. But you want a gr- nice beans. green vegetable, high amount of protein, and then usually generally a one cup of white rice. It's a fast digesting carb. It's going to get in and out of your system. You're already burning and metabolizing. So you want to burn that up. If you did brown rice, uh-huh. it's slow digesting. Yeah. It's going to sit there. Now, if you don't work out the rest of the day, what happens when you store carbs? It turns into fat. So that's why it's important if you're going to do brown rice or you want it to have, let's say, oatmeal or a wheat toast, something, Uh you do that earlier in the day to store the energy because you know you're eventually going to call upon it when you get to the gym, burn it up. So then my my pre-made meals of white rice, ground turkey meat, and a vegetable, usually broccoli, are the go is the way to go? Yes, good. Ground turkey. Now, love ground turkey. Um, so we have one more day together. So tomorrow we're going to go over some other things. But um, in the meantime, I want you to make sure you download my fitness pal. So because we're going to track your macros, like specifically yours, or it's called my fitness. It's pal. Called my fitness oh, okay. pal. Yeah, you're going to download that app. We're going to track your macros. We're going to make sure. And then I thought gonna, I couldn't have macaroni and cheese. Yeah, well, no, not yet. Not unless I you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. Eventually, you're going to because yesterday you talked about. Wanting to know whether or not when it's okay to have a cheat day. Tomorrow's fat pack, I'm going to tell you how you can immediately, every single day, have cheat treats. 
and it's not really cheating. Good, because... So, so we're going to set that up. But I'm I, you. So one of my things that I get through in terms of, like, like you know, eating healthy and whatnot and temptation. So one of the things, when I was actually, like, really good at it, you know what I used to do? No. I was really good at smelling things. Okay. Like, smelling it, and that would be good enough for me. You know what I mean? Like, at one point, I was at, like, I would go to parties, and I would get a cup of beer... But I would just smell it the whole time. Like, okay. it, that would be enough to kind of, like, satiate at least the temptation of wanting something that right. I couldn't have. Right. Um, for me now, it's staring at pictures of stuff. Man, I'm telling do, you, my do, next do cheat meal. Do you like meal, chocolate? I, I'm more of a dark chocolate guy, but it's not like That's anything fine. like, I need it. You know what I mean? I like chocolate. Who okay. doesn't? So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tomorrow we're going to discuss how, how you can have chocolate. Or you can have, actually, your favorite flavor okay. pudding every single day. Pudding, dude. I've not had chocolate pudding or any kind of pudding in. You could have banana cream. You could have strawberry. You could have vanilla. You can have any kind of pudding you want. And I'm going to tell you why tomorrow's fat pack. And it's going to be your cheat treat that we're going to put on your meal plan during your weight loss. I don't think I've had pudding in a really long time. I'm trying to think when the last time I had pudding was. And you're going to be able to add yeah. like some some trail mix or some fruit. I'm a big peanut butter guy. Oh yeah, me love too. peanut butter. And I'm going to get you a recipe for my famous peanut butter protein balls. Oh, okay. I'm down with that. Love yep. protein balls. Yep. Uh, all right. Let me ask you one more fitness question. Uh, this is just a, a weird question. I have read that um, early morning a, uh, a tablespoon of honey helps with energy. Well, if you're going to go immediately to the gym, yeah. it's gonna, you're gonna, so honey is loaded with sugar, obviously, and right. organic and raw. It's healthy for you. It's going to spike your insulin. So you're going to get an immediate rush. Yeah. What I would suggest is, like I told you, if you're going to the gym. So I just here, snort pre-workout. That's what I do. Yeah, well, that's that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Get an eight ball of, 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 of pre-workout. Nice. So listen, let me ask you this. Uh, when you said that you got cardio early in the morning, are you going to do everything in the morning? Like usually because my day's busy, I try to like do everything at once. Yes. Okay, so yeah, it would not hurt if you did. Uh, and I'll tell you. I used to take, and sometimes I still do, but I have to get back on my regimen. Um, I would get a package of gummy bears and put them in my pocket for leg day, and in between sets, I would pop the gummy bears. Really? Because it's an immediate sugar rush. Yeah. Spicy insulin, you get a nice little boom, little bump, and pop, 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 and then all of a sudden. So the honey's going to do that. Yeah. Honey, hockey players, wrestlers, okay, they come off, hockey players come off the ice, they sit on the bench, wrestlers between, they'll suck on honey sticks. Yeah. Because it gives them, but you want to be, you don't want to just do it, wake up in the morning and do it and then not put it anywhere. You want to take that energy, take that sugar rush and put it somewhere. Um, I got a question. Let's move on here. Um, Ari was in a rush this morning, or it looks like, I don't know if it was this morning or, but he, uh, Ari, you want to jump in here? You want to tell us what what took place here? Uh, I won't say where, but I got tabuli, which I often get from a. I appreciate the fact that you pronounced it properly. Yeah, I should be, right? My yeah. heritage somewhat. Anyway, uh, they are not known for amazing food, but it's solid. And I eat the, the tabouli is one of the few things I like on the menu. They replaced the chopped parsley, which is like the primary ingredient, with kale. And did not, say, did not tell me that. I ordered it and started eating it, and I was like, what is this? And I thought, geez, Willie knows this kind of food. Have you ever heard of such a thing? No. The only thing that you can replace out of tabouli is the uh, bulgur. Which is cracked wheat. Booger? Booger. B-L-U-G-U-R. Okay. With quinoa. I accept that replacement because it's the texture is very similar. Um, but no, you cannot you cannot put kale, chop kale up instead of curled parsley and call it tabbouleh. You need to change the name or you need to specify, you need to specifically say 
call it keluli or something, but you cannot call it tabule and use kale instead of curled parsley. That's unacceptable, 100%. It was not good, for the record. No, I can't even imagine, because I know what kale tastes like. and I, I don't but, mind kale, but it's not used in tabule. By the way, I'm 99% sure what Ari's talking about. I love that place, so if you dare say one thing about it, dude, I swear to God I'll come down there and get you. I promise you that. All right, we got to take a break here. Brad Powers is going to join us on the other side for Ion Sports Gambling. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Once again, Willie Ramirez along with Jonathan Valentobel. We are at Silver Sevens. Don't forget to get down here. We got T-shirts. We got tickets to give away. We got plenty of goodies plus the drink specials here at Silver Sevens, but right now our weekly hit with our good friend Brad Powers at Brad Powers Seven, BradPowersSports.com. Brad, how are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So you know, interesting. I want to start. We we had um, someone down from San Diego who covers San Diego State. We did our weekly hit where we're doing covering UNLV opponents, and I didn't realize this, but Jonathan threw it at him talking about win totals projected. San Diego State's coming off of a record-breaking season, 12 wins, Brady Hoke, a lot of hype, a lot of expectations. The win total is only 7.5. Now, I know they have a rugged schedule, but it just seems low for me. I hear you. Uh, I am part of the money that's on the under, though. I was able wow. to get uh, eight, yeah, 8.5. At a particular book. Now I had to drive across the Hoover Dam to that book. <laughs> if you catch my drift there, uh, to take advantage of that line. But n- number one, uh, I mean, they only returned ten starters. And keep in mind, you know, State had four guys drafted. That's that's a significant amount for a group of five school. On the mm-hmm. positive side, they do move into that brand new on-campus stadium. That should give them a little bit of a bump as far as the home games. But I mean, road games at Utah, at Boise State. At Fresno State, I mean, they'll be an underdog in all those games, as far as I'm concerned. And then I, I don't think home games against Toledo and Air Force are necessarily slam dunk. So, uh, if I, you know, I think they're seven and five, eight and four, best type of team this year. One of the teams that we're going to be playing is Arizona. I know the total is real low on them, two and a half. One of the worst teams the past couple of seasons, one in sixteen. Um, I was looking at that total just because San Diego State plays them are there any teams any sleepers anything that you're looking at this early on that you've already sort of invested in or that you're keeping a close eye on well i'll just talk about arizona you know i actually faded arizona uh you know circa sports in town you know opened their season win total three and a half again i mean you don't have to be albert einstein to figure some of this out when every book in the market is two and a half somebody opened three and a half I'm glad they took a position because I'll take a position against it. Look, Arizona's much improved. They welcome in one of their best recruiting classes, you know, probably in 15 years. So I think the future's bright. I don't think necessarily 2022 is bright. It starts with that road game against San Diego State where they're about a touchdown underdog there. Mississippi State at home, double-digit underdog there. I'm here to tell you, North Dakota State, FCS team, will be favored in Tucson week three, an FCS right. team. So you add all that up, and even though I think Arizona's really improved, I mean, two, three wins max. So, I mean, there's a big reason why I bet under three and a half. I just don't see how this program all of a sudden, you know, that's won one game in the last two and a half years, all of a sudden turns around and wins three or four. 
you know, in, in writing sports betting analysis and writing sports betting content, have become so um, conditioned to look at the MAC because we get those weekday games. Are there any MAC teams that stand out to you for this season? So I am heavily involved in the MAC. I'll start at the top. I thought Toledo, which I perceived to be the best team at least coming into the season. I, I didn't think they were priced appropriately, so I, I took ahead and bet Toledo over seven and a half wins. You look at the, and I think it's up to eight or so now. I mean, I, I actually think Toledo's going to be favored in, in every single one of their games, with the exception of a trip to Ohio State and make three. So, I mean, I, I'm a big believer of this Toledo team. The only question mark that I have is coaching staff. I was a big believer of Toledo last year, and they went out and lost four games where they were a nine plus point favorite. They lost four games outright. I think it turns around a little bit this year, and that's why I, you know I bet Toledo to win the MAC. Out of the other side of the division, because I mean Toledo's in the West. I think Miami, Ohio wins the East this year. Uh, the you know it's, it's going to be competitive. Uh, you know Buffalo, I think, will be much improved. Uh, but I think, I just think Miami, Ohio, with Gabbert back at quarterback, they'll be fine. Northern Illinois is the you know the defending MAC champ. I actually think they take a little bit of a step back. I know they won a bunch of games last year, but they were fortunate to win a lot of those games. So. That's how I'm breaking down the Mac this year. I read an article about uh, college football betting, just kind of browsing and scouring, and said Ohio State is the betters' is overwhelming national title pick so far. The betters are favoring them, but I don't know if the books are. Who uh, your early thoughts on the national championship and maybe those third, fourth, or fifth choices that might have the better value? So I have made three futures bets. As far as the national title, and I don't think you need to bet any other team other than these three. So while last year's national title game is going on, William Hill has the, the upcoming season already posted. I'm watching Alabama let that lead slip away. You know, Jamison Williams is getting hurt, and Georgia beats them. I bet Alabama plus 325 way back on January the 10th of this year. I can tell you the second team I bet, and this is more recent. I took Ohio State five to one to win the title. I think you can still find four to one out there in the market right now, but I think clearly if Alabama's one, Ohio State is two. The Buckeyes have the best offense in the country. If you want to take a quote unquote long shot, I did bet Clemson sixteen to one. I think you can find anything you know twelve to one or greater out there in the market right now. Reason being that I think Clemson's being mispriced. Number one, they had a disappointing season a year ago. Number two, they lose both coordinators. I mean, that's a big question mark. Number three, DJ Uyunglele was very disappointing last year. I think they're improved at that position. But most importantly, why I think there's some value there, Clemson's defensive front seven is going to be as good as anybody in the country. In fact, not only as good as anybody in the country this year, one of the better defensive front sevens we've seen right up there with Georgia, right up there from last year, right up there with Clemson from four years ago. So I think Clemson's going to be back uh, at least in the playoff this year. Once again, talking to Brad Powers at Brad Power 7 BradPowerSports.com. Last one for you. We're up against it. I just I want to get your thoughts. A really sad story out of uh, Eugene, Oregon. Tight end Spencer Webb, he died tragically in a cliff diving accident at the age of 22. Um, this can either really, you know, just kind of hurt a team, but is it so far in advance that maybe they can rally together and could it spark them a little bit more, trigger them? I mean, do you look at something like that from a handicapping standpoint that they're going to play for their fallen teammate? Yeah, not usually, but I will say this. We just saw it happen last year. Obviously, Utah dealt with a couple of tragedies with a couple of players dying. 
that that really rallied and that galvanized that locker room and ended up winning the Pac-12 championship. All right, Brad, we appreciate it. Real quick, tell us what, uh, tell everybody what you, where they can find you and what you got coming up. Yep, you can find me on Twitter, simply at BradPower7. You can check out my college football preview guide just got uh, released yesterday, so you can check that out at BradPowerSports.com. All right, make sure you do that. Always the best numbers, the rankings, free information from Brad. We are coming back on the other side, JVT and Willie Cofield and company at Silver Sevens.